90s, there was a saying that when someone was going somewhere, someone didn't know where it was. Except for the blasphemy of Jesus that happened overseas quite a while before I was even born. It was a thing. It wasn't new when I woke up and I gave my life to Jesus and there I saw it. No, no, no. It started way before. But then something that we also did a lot, which I didn't mind, I didn't understand it, but we did it a lot. When someone would be going out, and sometimes my dad would throw a tantrum, I don't know why, but there's something happens, and him and my mom disagreed about things, and he would storm out, and I would ask, so where is he going now? And she would answer, oh man, he's on some other mission, he's just going there. Then we will use the word mission for other things as well. I don't know if you've done it before, uh, but that boy's on a mission, eh? He's just going, he's on his own mission. And now he's, that guy's just missioning there. He's, he's missioning on, on his own there. Do you know where it comes from? It comes from the word mission. When two were sent out by Jesus to reach lost people so that the kingdom of God would be established. In my day, it was just used to explain it when someone was lost or feeling lost or doing their own thing. I hope tonight's word. So I am doing something in between three sermons in this sermon series. Uh, and um, it's quite interesting to see where God is moving us from Matthew 28, which we know off by heart, I hope so. Uh, and we also know our, um, do, do we know that off by heart here in Linwood? Can we, cl- okay, we close our eyes and we can say it. Okay, that's great. But um, so <clears throat> Jesus promises in Mark 1.17 um, that if we follow him, he will make us become fishers of men. And so if we respond to Jesus, and if we work hard at this, and if we follow through, we will be a disciple maker. Um, but there's something about just being a disciple first that triggers my heart uh, into the response of just being obedient to him. So there is a lot going on in the world currently. There is a lot of voices that's speaking to us today. I don't know if you can... Um, just go, yeah, that's, that's true. There are a lot of movements saying the same thing, but there are very little, uh, a very small amount of churches or movements that's really focused on building the kingdom of God. Our establishment of the kingdom of God does not start with a Sunday service. It started with a mission. And not a mission. Oh, those two are on a, on a mission. No, no, they are on the mission. It's not a It's a thee. We have to, in our own hearts, ask ourselves this question tonight. Uh, And I want to shoot this out of the hip quickly. If we lose every internet capability of what's going on in the world today, if we lose the connection that we think we have with Jesus online, what would you and I's um, um, relationship with Jesus look like when we wipe all of that away? When Y2K didn't come in, 20, in 2000, but it comes in 2023. What will happen if we lose all contact with the world? What would our connection look like? What would the way that you recite verses out of the Bible look like? Is it on your phone? Is it on a digital platform? Is it something that's in your spirit and in your heart? Like the Word of God says, in your heart and in your mouth? And the question resides, and, and I hope it does today. That if your phone is taken away and every digital option for you to read a Bible on 
then where is your heart at? Where would your Bible be then? Then if we believe the Word of God that's saying that it, 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 the, the Word of God came to life and it dwelled among us, what is it that's dwelling among us? What is it that is, is captured between these two ears of yours tonight? What is left over when everything is taken away? What will be left of our religion if everything of that is taken away? Reminded of a movie um, of Denzel Washington um, going on a mission. I don't know if you've seen it before. Um, there's a wipeout of, of the world. Everything is in chaos. He walks. First scene is underneath a bridge. It's dark. He's got a backpack on, and you hear a few shushes, and I had to close my 12-year-old's eyes because they were seeing things happening there, and he just walks on. You know what the movie's called? Book of Eli. That's, there's something in that movie. I dare you to go and watch it. I dare you to see what God is opening our, our, our hearts open to things that are coming. There's something on its way. And I want you not to have the word of God on this. I want you to have the word of God in this. Okay, that was for free. So we prioritize reaching the lost. Uh, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Amen? He did not come to judge the world, but to save it. Come on, man. And then we know all very well, we value one another's growth. That's why there's biblical patterns of adding us together. That's why I've been speaking about spiritual family over the weeks, over and over and over and over. Why? Because that's important. Do you know how long it takes um, a toddler to learn something, anything? Uh, don't eat with your mouth open. Close the door when you go to the toilet. Uh, pick up your clothes. Maybe not a toddler. Let's make them older. Um, there's a, a primary school kid. Do you know how long it takes them how, how long it takes parents to learn them something new? One thing. How many times do you think? 30 times. Okay. Anyone else? Yeah. Oh, you're so clever. No, a thousand times. It takes one thing for a kid to learn a new thing a thousand times over for him to remember a chore. A thousand times. How many times did God have to speak to you as an adult? Over and over, sometimes over and over again. It's not in the hearing, it's in the obedience. We spoke about this last time I was here. I showed a little video and all of that. That's beautiful. Great. So ultimately, you can open up your Bibles at Acts 5. And I'm going to lean from, Donnie prayed with, uh, preached with us, us this morning and I felt, I'm going to lean some towards something that he said as well, uh, and so I phoned him for this, but Acts 5, 17 to 42, you're going to have to hold on. Um, it says, but the high priest rose up and all who were with him, um, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled the jealousy, filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, so just pause, just for background, a couple of weeks back, they were already in jail. They were already free the first time. Of the three times that the disciples were freed out of publicly, out of jail, this is the second. So this is after Jesus' death, after the commandment, after the Holy Spirit being poured out 
uh, in the upper room of over the 120, after the 5,000 was added to the church. And so after that, they, they were arrested for, for publicly doing something they were not supposed to. They were preaching Jesus. And so we, we pick it up at verse 19. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of, it, of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council and the senate of the people of Israel and sent to the prison um, to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison, so they returned and reported, We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened up, we found no one inside. Now, when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed. There were men in a prison, locked up, looked after. The next morning, they were called. There were none left. There was no one. The people were gone. The prison was still closed. Everything was locked up. Okay. And so, and someone came and told them, look, the men who you put in the prison are standing at the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain of the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people that were receiving the preaching. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, we strictly charge you. So the first time, they just charged them. The second time, they strictly charged them. Okay. We strictly charge you not to teach in the name, in, his, in this name. Whose name? Jesus' name. Yet you, you are fooled. Uh, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. Filled Jerusalem with your teaching. You intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter, Peter and the apostles answered, uh, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, who you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. We'll stop right there. There are four things that I want to focus on tonight. And the first one is um, uh, commission, opposition, perseverance, fruitfulness. Write it down. Take a picture. Commission, opposition, perseverance, and fruitfulness. So the commission in verse 19, but during the night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. I'm asking you tonight... What is the prison that is keeping you back for engaging lost people? What is the prison in your spirit, in your heart, in your hand, in your head, at home, in a family member, in a relationship, in a work situation, in a study situation that's keeping you back from understanding what mission should be? Because mission is just not something that we say when we see someone is lost, always on a mission. No, no. Are you on the mission? That question beckons over and over in my heart. I'm getting older to a place when I wake up three o'clock in the morning and God says, how much time do you think there are left for us to preach the gospel in this way? And I cry out to the Lord and say, I think it's gonna end soon. I'm warning us tonight. I'm telling you now. You not only read your Bible off of your phone. Please don't do that. You need to have something physical to write down something that you can go, oh, I remembered where I put that color pen. You're allowed to scribble in your Bible. Do you know that? 
just as I'm allowed to throw Neil when I think he's out of line, throw him with this. This is nothing. It's dead. But when I read it, when I eat it, when I believe it, it comes alive in me. It changes. Do you want power? Do not only believe in this. Live it. Use it. Make sure it's not just a great catchphrase. Our world has enough TikTok leaders. Facebook's dying. Don't think it's going to last. I hope they send me all my good pictures because every day I get a new one. I'm like, oh, I remember this. It's beautiful. Do they do that with you as well? The only thing that keeps you on Facebook is that daily new photos that I lost with my BBM. Do you know? Do you remember those? Blackberries? That's way back. You remember? Oh, wow. I knew Chichu then. We, we BB'd right through the night. Hey, BBM. Oh, wow. For everyone else, it was the first WhatsApp. Okay? I'm just saying. Okay, good. During the night, the angel of the Lord opened the prisons. Why did he open the prisons? They were just locked up for the same thing, preaching at the same place. Listen to this. The prison doors were brought out, and they said, go and stand in the temple. The angel of the Lord saves them out of prison to send them back to the same place that they were just captured and thrown in. Can you understand the irony here? They were not only thrown in, they were flogged. They were paying a price. And I'm asking myself sometimes, what am I paying to the Lord? What is it costing me anymore? What is, what is the pressures that places, is placed on my spirit that when, when they get flogged, they're still open to, tip, to preach the gospel? I can tell you now, now I want to see a picture. No, I don't. Where we, we line up the spiritual leaders of this country. Let them go through a flogging and ask them, who's able, willing to go again? Who wants to go again? For that same reason. I'm telling you now, it's going to get more and more difficult for us to understand where real truth comes from. Real truth, the only truth you and I have, it's real, is in here. It's the only truth. And digressing. Number two, opposition. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. So the angel let them go, but he knew God protected them. They're not going to get flogged again. He were, they were very, very suspicious and afraid that the people will turn against them, meaning that the words that came out of their mouth, the mission that they were sent out to, the, the preaching that they've done had such a powerful effect People immediately believed them. They were released from their own prisons. Does the word of God release you from yours? Does the word of God, when you come here each week, each month, each year, set you free in such a way that you understand clearly that even your habitual sin is no more welcome here? I hope I'm stepping on some toes tonight. Verse 27, and when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them. You will be questioned. If you do it right, church, there will be resistance. If you preach it in the right way, people will dislike you. Do you know what's our biggest problem today? 
We're in a generation that wants to be liked more by people than by Jesus. Come on. We have to wake up. Amen? I'm still friendly, although I'm screaming at you. Amen. Great. So opposition. There are going to be opposition. First question, what do you need to be released from tonight? Secondly, are you ready for opposing um, conversations? Are you ready for family members disowning you? Are you ready taking a beating for Jesus? Are you? I don't know if we are. I don't want to answer for you. I don't know if I am. These questions need to be part and parcel of your daily life as a Christian, not the flower moments. I'm so sorry. Not the rainbow moments with Jesus. That's all great. But the question stands that if you will be persecuted for your beliefs, will you still believe? Are the things in your heart and spirit and in the scriptures so true that when you will lose your job because of what you believe, will you then still believe? Number three, perseverance. Do you know that there will be a time when Christians will be persecuted in this country in such a manner that it will feel like it's never going to stop? In every Old Testament um, chapter that you read of the Israelites being captured, do you know for how long those moments were? Not weeks. Then the promises came. The prophets came and said, God is going to raise Israel out of this captivity. Who knows how long Israel was kept captive in, in Egypt before they got out there with Moses? Anyone? Take a guess. 400 years. 400 years. The promises were made and they had to endure. They had to persevere. So don't come to me with your low-key um, belief system in, oh, I asked Jesus last week, but he hadn't come through for me. Does he still exist? Nonsense. We have to grow up. We have to become mature Christians. And even if we don't see it in this generation, that we will believe it, that the next generation will see it. Amen? Come on, man. But Peter and the apostles, verse 29, answered, we must obey God rather than man. Our whole life, I think my English has just run out. My airtime has gone. <laughs> I apologize. Our whole world system is set up for you and me to look, look on the inside of our hearts constantly. But not by the way of the word of the Lord, by the way of a mirror, by the way of how many likes, by the way of how many shares, by the way of how I am uh, adopted into other forms of family. We are not asking you to become part of this spiritual family because it's a sect. We're asking you to become because we are a missional church. We are an in and we are an out. We are an ocean that's alive. Do you know that the Dead Sea is dead for a reason? You know this. It only has a end. Come on. Don't be that type of believer. Don't, de- don't de- be that type of disciple. Oh, I've been disciple so well. I'm just going to rest here. 
Lord, I'm, I'm tired of discipleship because I'm, let me just rest, Lord. No, no, there's no rest. There's no time to rest. Get up, share the gospel, and people will be freed, not out of the, the prison alone, but their, their, their lives that's, that's captivated by, by, by Satan's way of, of, of making us understand it's all about me and you. It's not. It's all about him. So we persevere through it. And number three, oh, wow. There's a whole chapter in John 15 that's all about fruitfulness. And so we strictly charge you not to teach in the name, yet you, you have full Jerusalem with your teaching. Do you know how many, uh, Donnie said this morning, it was crazy. That Donnie said, do you know how many churches is, is in South Africa? I, I don't even know. But I mean, there's a lot, isn't it? I mean, how many denominations? It'll be great to know, isn't it? Do you know how many churches are in Centurion alone? I'm, I'm the leader of Eiffel, I should know. Do you know how many churches in Centurion alone? 191. Do you know how big Centurion is? I grew up there. Centurion is minute. It's small, but apparently it's a mecca. Why? Because there's 191 churches, and Centurion is still not saved. Do you know how I feel the pressure? I don't feel it from other churches. I feel it from what's coming out of our mouths. What is our lives testifying about? What are we preaching that activates people in such a way that they will move into their mission, the mission that God has for them? So I'm asking you tonight, are you ready for what's coming? Because I'm warning you. God is going to warn us to not be short-sighted. I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to be ready. I don't want you to be um, full of knowledge. I want you to be knowledgeable. I don't want you to be arrogant because of what you know, all the scriptures that Marinus said you should know off by heart. No, I want you to be obedient to the ones that God has given to you. And the one that God has given to us as a church is Matthew 28. We will never grow tired of that. You might grow, but please don't. It's not an can. Can you take off your every nation hat just for a moment? Are you really ready for the mission? I don't care how old you are. God is calling us to something massive that looks really insignificant right now. It might be really looking small. Why are we sending two South African Indian people all the way to Kyrgyzstan? There's already a church there. Why go there? Why would we go there? It's war-torn. Their church of 40 um, consists of 90% of previous Muslim followers. They are under attack constantly. Not spiritually, physically. Chased out scorned. I'm asking us, how does your Christian week look like? How did it look like this week? Was there any, any pushback for what you believe? Because then I'm questioning what's coming out of your mouth. I'm asking you tonight, if we go out from this church and we are a moving church, if we believe in that, if we believe in that, and if we believe in this, we would stop be, being quiet. So I'm I mentioned that the delirious band. And so there was one song that made it through a wow CD or a tape in those days. 
I'm almost finished. And the song was, um, I'm not afraid of the gospel. Um, I'm not afraid of the one I love. And, and one day, I got confronted with, with other Christians pushing back. And God says that if you can't stand up at the age of 16 towards other Christians that believe something totally different, how on earth can I send you to a nation that will disagree with you on everything? And so I'm asking you right now, what is in your life that is imprisoning you, keeping you back, holding you from preaching the gospel outright? Why is your Jerusalem not buzzing about the word of God that's flowing through you right now? That is not an accusation. That is an invitation. I am inviting you. I'm not challenging you because I'm, I'm not a gym fundi. I don't want you to pick heavy stuff up. I want you to carry the word of God with you. And then I want you to know it off by heart. I want you to understand that whatever you read, there might be a time coming where you don't, will not have that privilege. How much of the word of God is inside of you? For us to understand mission, you have to be really serious about the questions that you have to answer. And we are asked, we are, the time is finished where we, we, we do blomikis and, and airy-fairy things about Jesus just to invite people or to get people to the church. I tell you now, if people will feel the pressure enough, we will overflow. And you as a leader need to be ready. When the, when the fish comes in, the nets needs to be tightened. I am speaking to the future leaders that's going to catch those fish and walk with them a discipleship road up to the point where they can disciple others. Let's not be short-sighted. I know you are hungry in your young years. I know you want to get married. You want to get that girl. You want to get that guy. You want to study. You want to finish that degree. You want to, you want to get that. I want you to get the mission. Because God is true when He says in Scripture that do not be worried about the day of tomorrow what you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. But if you make the kingdom of God your primary concern, all the other things will be added unto you. I'm not saying don't stop studying. I'm not saying stop chasing them. I'm not saying stop living. I'm telling you, is your life built on the foundations of Matthew? Because this church is either going to irritate the heck out of you, or you will fall in line and you will be a disciple maker, the disciple maker in the mission that God has called you for. Amen? Let's close our eyes. Come on. Father God, thank you so much for tonight. Lord, I pray that we will not be a church that just grow cold because we, we gather around and we tap each other on the shoulder every time. Or like the Australians, Lord, on the behind. I pray, Father God, that we will tonight be that church that motivates people through the word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit, Father God, through the breakthrough of understanding prayer and intercession into some way, Father God, where your Holy Spirit bursts out and people come to Christ because of that. Gone are the days, Lord, when we are fed like babies. Help us to grow up into spiritual maturity. No more milk, Lord. Oh, but substance in your word. 
substance in, 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 your, in our actions. Father God, and obedience, obedience, and obedience. If nation first. Amen and amen. Thank you so much. Praise God. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Gideon. Thank you.